Hello and welcome to After the Bell, Mirror Fighting's boxing show. Back after an enforced absence, thanks to the suspension of boxing here in the UK. My name is Martin Dolan, editor of Mirror Fighting, joined as ever by former Submitterweight World Champion George Groves and by Declan Taylor, boxing journalist and yoga fanatic. I've just found out a new skill, new string to his bow in this, the 17th lockdown in the last year. So before we get into this week's show, I do just want to mention that Leon Spinks sadly passed away on Friday evening, age 67, following a battle with cancer. He won Olympic gold in 1976, then two years later, just his eighth professional fight, upset Muhammad Ali to become the heavyweight world champion. He did lose the rematch a few months later and never did reclaim the heavyweight world title, but was inducted into the Hall of Fame a few years ago. Also incredible family, his brother Michael and son Corey also former world champions. Our thoughts are with the family at this time. Now, we did hope to have a featherweight unification clash to preview this weekend at Josh Warrington and Kan However, it does seem like a fight that may just go on and on and on. We don't. So what we're going to do instead is take a look at the subjects and topics that have been raising their heads over the last few weeks while we've been away, including Josh Warrington, including his decision to give up his world title, We'll also talk about Manny Pacquiao and Ryan Garcia, whether that will happen, and if it does happen, what it will look like, whether we want it to happen. We'll talk about Daniel Kinahan, about BBC Panorama, and we'll talk about Deontay Wilder and what the future looks like for him after his former trainer, Mark Breland, finally spoke out about accusations levelled at him in the aftermath of his defeat by Tyson Fury. All that to come on today's show. Please do, if you're watching, give us a, a subscribe to the channel, Give the video a thumbs up. If you're watching live, please do comment, chat, and we will discuss and respond to the sensible ones. Gents, thank you for listening through that introduction. How are you both? I'm good. I'm real good. I'm, I'm, I've had enough of lockdown, but I mean that's not that's not new, is it? That's uh, that's very much how everyone's feeling. But I must say. I've really missed boxing this time. I'm I'm glad it's back. And not the fight we wanted, not the show we wanted necessarily, but I'm I'm glad it's back. And like you say, yoga's been helping me through anyway, mate. So not too bad. George, I mean you've been flirting with other podcasts, obviously, in, in your time off alongside Carl Froch. Yeah, no, I've had a wonderful time. Uh it's been great. Carl asked me to go on his pod. That was I think it was the end of last year, so uh, but it's only just come out. Uh, he was very excited about it. Hopefully, it got a bit of traction. Um, but other than that, yeah, there's not an awful lot to it. I <clears throat> made a conscious habit a few years ago to, I didn't know if it was a cultural thing from where I'm from, you know, like just being a Londoner where kind of you're scared of overselling stuff. So you say, How you doing? No, I'm okay, not too bad, could be worse. When it's like, no, change that mindset. How are you doing? I'm great. Why? What's going on? <laughs> I can't answer that. But I'm great. I am That's great. the problem, though. You've got. Uh, you've always got to explain, though, haven't you? So you're better off just going, yeah, not bad, mate. And moving well, on. Then you haven't got to explain. For someone like me who struggles with... I don't struggle about with talking as such, but with conversational skills. Like That's something that I always consciously work on. It's very difficult now to say... So what are you up to? Like you got to delve back. You got to go through history and um, and then have the right questions to prompt the right answers. So I'm enjoying that. That that's what I've been working on in my lockdown. I suppose is trying to ask my dad. Well, keep the conversation flowing. My dad, who hasn't left the house, <laughs> and without asking, what have you been watching on telly? Because um, it's a bit sad. So uh, yeah. But other than that, uh, you know, it's this. Uh, everything's great. It's perfect. Great. Couldn't ask for more. Fantastic. Okay, so first up, 
a little recap of the situation with Josh Warrington. He will fight next weekend. He will take on Mauricio Lara. I don't expect anyone to, to have heard the name, to know much about him. And to be honest, we're not going to delve too much into it because as far as I'm concerned, it's a, it's a dreadful fight. But the fight was initially due to be for Warrington's IBF featherweight title. But actually, hang on, let's go back a bit. Warrington wanted to fight Kanju. That was the whole, that was the plan. Unification, Ring Magazine, established the best in the world. Great. Kanju, we couldn't agree terms. So Warrington wanted to fight Lara. IBF said, no, you've got to fight Mandatory, Kid Galahad. And let's be honest, that's another fight I don't want to see again. I don't think anybody really wants to see that fight again. Josh Warrington said no, so the IBF said, fine, we'll take the belt. Or Josh Warrington says, don't get out the belt. Kid Galahad will fight Jessa Dickens for that belt at some time in the future, but Warrington will still fight Lara next weekend and then hopes to fight Kanzu in the future. So the fight is really quite poor, and I can't imagine... I know Josh Warrington will probably say all the right things in Sweet George, you know, if I don't win this fight, there are no big fights, etc., etc. But it feels like this is such a pointless fight for him to be in. Surely it's not going to be easy for him to get up for it. I think it's, well, it's a tough time. I'd, I'd only imagine that the unification fight couldn't get made in the current climate. You know, um, he's got tremendous, tremendous support, Warrington. You know, he... Um, He's been on many different networks now, worked under many different promoters and always survived and thrived because of his fan base that he has, loyal fan base from Leeds and surrounding areas. And I'm sure there's he, he he's on that, that short list of being that Ricky Hatton type fighter who can go to the States and bring thousands and thousands of fans with him. Um, but now's a tough time to, you know, you can't sell tickets. So they're looking for as much bang for your buck, but really it's going to be the cheaper fights. And I'd imagine this is how this fight came about in the first place and why terms couldn't get agreed in the first place for a unification. Um, I feel sorry for Warrington in that he's, he's kind of been snookered here where he's in a position where he wants the box. Obviously no one wants to give up their belt and um, the fight with Kanzu later is, is now not in unification. So, you know, he might be on the back foot in terms of his negotiations or being able to get that fight on any sort of terms that suit him. So, you know, I'm pretty sure he's, he's probably not in the, the, the most sound frame of mind going into this fight, but he's got a job to do. He's got to go out there and do it. Um, he's always a um, fan-friendly action fighter. So being that style of fight, fighter that he is probably will suit him because even if you are a tiny bit flat this is all you know you know you're not like a sharp power puncher who's if he's a bit switched off mentally might make a mistake might get caught his is just all action so um i'm sure it'd be another sound um win for him but where you know where he goes from here it's gonna be difficult very difficult for him definitely do you blame him at all for giving up the title instead of fighting someone he's I mean, I know it was a close fight and some people thought Kid Galahad won, but ultimately the record says he won that fight. Kid Galahad has only won one fight since then. Is this an issue with Josh Warrington giving up the belt? Is it an issue with the IBF forcing a, a, the same mandatory on him again? Where do you sit? I don't know. We've had this conversation about mandatories in the past and yeah, it, uh, Kid Galahad's only won one more fight since, but it was a real close one, the first fight, and he's done all that's asked of him. So then the IBF has reinstated him. And it's the problem is as soon as you start bending rules and stuff, then it becomes even more messy than it already is. So I can't say I blame him, and I think George is right, but it's just the current climate. Apparently, we've been told that Kanju didn't want to fight in front of in an empty stadium. He wanted fans there in some way. I don't know whether that meant because he wanted more money for, for, on the gate or whether that's just what he wanted. Um my issue is that he's dropped. Usually, you see someone drop a belt because there is something else that they've like literally signed for. So they've gone, I'll drop that. A bit like um, when Fury and Klitschko, um, Fury dropped the IBF, actually, wasn't it? Who, um, which then went to uh, Glaskov and Charles Martin, I believe. So, you know, if you've got something actually there ready to do instead, cool. But when you do it and you haven't, and it's still like, I want to fight Kanju or Gary Russell, you know, and it's still total sort of pie in the sky then it's annoying I mean I feel for Josh Warrington to be honest because he's a you know 
a champion. He's won that belt. He's beaten, you know, he's upset the odds against Lee Selby, Carl Frampton. You know, he's one of our best world champions we've got in Britain, if not the world. Um, and he's sort of been snookered like George. He's been forced to, to give up his belt. And it's a bit, you know, whenever you see someone give up the belt without losing, it's always a bit of a shame. Um, I feel like we have to give a little bit of benefit of the doubt these days because there obviously isn't much money sloshing around to put on shows. So they needed a cheap opponent. This guy is a cheap opponent, you've got to imagine. Um, but I don't think there's any risk of him being flat because just the way he is as a person, as a fighter, if anything, I think he's going to be vicious and annoyed and frustrated. And poor old Maurizio Lara is going to be on the end of it. Um, I, I think it could be a, a quick one. I, 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 I'm thinking of Josh Taylor against, um, was it King Kang Song, King Song, whatever his name was, the guy, Kong Song, Kong Song, where he's just like, okay, what is he, 29 and two or something, this guy, but he's never faced anything like this. So as soon as he gets caught once, he's going to be like, whoa. Um, so I think it could be a quick one. I think you're right about, the thing is, Josh Warrington is, for want of a better phrase, a proper world champion. You know, you, the way he did it, as you mentioned, was incredibly difficult. And he sort of sat out the whole of last year. He's probably, off the top of my head, one of the few fighters who didn't actually get a run out last year, despite the situation. So he's kind of hung around, hung around. Even before COVID, it was like you had that one fight and it was always the next one's going to be the big one. And I want to crack Las Vegas. And it's just, you know, to definitely, as you say, you have to feel for him in that respect. But does it play into this wider discussion? And you could bring in the WBA here with all their shenanigans about the belts. Do we need to get to a point where fighters are bigger than belts? And actually, it doesn't matter if Josh Warrington doesn't have a title. We know, and most fans, certainly his fans, know how good he is. And as long as he's in those big fights, it doesn't matter if there's one belt, two belts, three belts on the line. Yeah, I mean, I'd imagine uh, Josh had decided to fight rather than keep his belt. You know, there'd be ways, you know, his, his management promoters would be saying, okay, well, well, you know, you can't fight this guy or you're going to get stripped. But you know, we'll agree to it and there'll be some sort of delays or something or other and we'll get you over the line. But as if he hasn't boxed last year, he's probably just in a situation where he's desperate to box. He's thinking of the bigger picture. I, I don't know Josh particularly well. You know, I've met him a few times, but he always seemed like that bigger picture kind of guy, you know, and he'll take the short the shorthand now, you know, for the payoff later. And that might be his mindset now is just that he doesn't want his career to stall anymore. He might be thinking physically that if he's not in action in a real fight, able to, you know, um, taste the lever or whatnot, that that might have a detrimental effect on him later on. Um, it took me a long time to win a world title, you know. So um, definitely, you know, there's times when fighters will give it up when they've got something great in front of them. But... Being able, but giving it up when it doesn't really appear to be anything directly in front of you um, is tough. Like, it's got to be so tough. It must have been a real difficult decision for him to make. Um, and, you know, they're, they're precious things. Like, like you say, Martin, you know, sometimes fights are above belts, you know. But for me, the, the smaller guys, you know, Warrington's known obviously clearly within the you know the, the boxing community, but you know his his his, his world title carries a lot of weight for the casual boxing fan and you know the um you know and beyond because it's only really the the, the true boxing fan that recognise the wins over Frampton and over Selby because they're not you know. They're not huge, huge superstar names, you know. That's not the heavyweight division, so it's tough. It is tough. It is tough, and you know he wants to be active. I'd imagine, and he needs to be in the big fights. I hope that he gets, you know, another world title fight soon after this. Keeps the mentality of a, of a world champion, and and he gets one of them big fights against against Russell or you know someone else in the in the division. But yeah, I, I, I can only say that I think he's chose to fight over keeping his belt right now. Yeah, and what I think is also good and what sometimes is the upshot is, okay, maybe we don't think that Kid Galahad or Jazza Dickens will be the number one in the division, but it's good that 
two guys who are plugging away and obviously aiming for the same thing, rather than Josh Warrington just sitting on a belt and not fighting, it is active and they are going to fight for a world title. So there is an opportunity for both of those guys and then they can go on from it. So I don't know. That That is the, the one upshot that we're not just seeing another belt sat on because of COVID. He's gone, okay, vacate. IBF, do what you want with your belt. I'm going to choose another path, like George said, bigger picture. And at the same time, two Brits get to fight for a, for a world title and um, a rematch of an earlier fight for the British title, I believe. So, you know, that... That's that's one good thing, I think. Sure. Here, here's a question. Is it better or would you rather be or is it enough to be a world champion or when you go to bed at night? So, so let's be honest. Chasa Dickens, Kid Galahad, whoever wins that fight, arguably, is not the best featherweight in the IBF rankings. Never mind the best featherweight in the world. Hmm. Is it enough to be a world champion? without being the best in the world. Well, I think that both of those guys or every boxer will, will believe that they're the best, actually, especially at that at that level. Kid Galad, certainly. I'm sure Jazza Dickens does. So I don't think they're going, ah, yeah, but he's better than me. So this probably doesn't count. Like, I don't think that. I think they'll win the belt and then they'll think that's going to open doors for them. Interesting to hear George's opinion because obviously, George, when you won your belt, you were the number one. So you that was your, you know, you ticked that box. But how would it have felt if, if perhaps there were guys that were getting more acclaim and were, were being touted as the one and two in the division and you were a belt holder. Well, yeah, I mean, that's you always want to be the number one. Um, I think, I mean, I don't say it often because I don't want to draw any attention to it, but there was two WBA world champions at the same time as I was. I'm sure, I'm sure Rocky Fielding had the belt, had the regular belt at the same time as I had the super champion. So there's two British world champions, two midweights with the same technically the same belt. Um, no one called upon it. He wasn't sadly for Rocky. No one really said he was a full world champion. That belt only became a, a full world title when Alvarez beat him for it. And it's like that's it just depends on who you are. Um, but you know, so I I, I won a vacant belt, and there was other you know there was other good fighters in the division. But yeah, you're plowing on. I mean, like, straight after winning that, I signed into going to a tournament where ultimately the idea was that everyone was going to go in and. The, the best fight was going to come out on top. That's a that's a mindset of each fire, and you know sometimes you can have all these thoughts and feelings, but when it actually comes pulling the trigger, do you really want to roll the dice to, on certain situations? Um, to become a world champion is some feat and something to be proud of. However, however, which way it happens for you, you know, you'd be blessed that, you know, you're involved in big fights and big rivalries and big gates and pay-per-view fights and build some sort of memory, some sort of history. Uh, but that's not the case for everyone. So, um, yeah, I mean, Jazza Dickens and um, Keith Galahad, you know, if they fight and one of them wins the world title, nothing's going to be taken away from them. You know what I mean? In 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 their mindset, anyway, they've become a world champion, something they've worked for their entire lives. I'm sure then, you know, they probably want to fight Warrington in the UK, domestic dust-up, big fight. Um, and then maybe by that point, Warrington's no longer the champion. He's thinking, oh, I miss my belt now. I want my <laughs> belt back. And that fight happens, you know? So, you know, I, maybe that's already already kind of written down that, you know, don't worry, you vacate, but you this is here for you because these two Brits are going to fight for the belt. So if we can't make the bigger fights for you in another world title fight, this one's always here for you, Josh. You know, take this fight, get paid, keep your um, momentum going, and um, this opportunity ain't going to go, um, go past you. Because... He's, you know, the big, the biggest um, name in in Britain in the, in that in that division. So, you know, he, he probably will generate the most amount of money. Um, they're all going to be vying for a fight with him. Um, Galahad definitely going to want to rematch, and I think he's definitely going to want to fight him if he, if, he, if he wins the belt. So, yeah, he's, his value's there. It's kind of a safety net for him, I suppose. So, Josh Warrington, Richard Lada is on next Saturday. First fight night back after the break. As I mentioned, Eddie Hearn, Sky Sports, Matchroom. We'll, of course, look back on it for as long as it lasts next week. 
Moving on to a fight which may or may not happen, and if it does happen, we don't know what it will look like. Manny Pacquiao against Ryan Garcia. Came from nowhere. I would argue that... He, I wondered if Conor McGregor Manny Pacquiao was far more advanced than, than anybody really thought. And then as soon as Conor McGregor lost the other week, suddenly Pacquiao thought, oh, I need another, I need another option here. It doesn't seem like he's, he's looking at you know, people like Terence Crawford or, or Errol Spence or even Mikey Garcia, who you looked at last year. This just seems to have come together very quickly. Initially, it was an, an exhibition, which, quite frankly, would be a farce, in my opinion. Then it was, no, no, it's going to be a real fight, somewhere between 143 and 147 pounds, bearing in mind Ryan Garcia's at 135. And now it all seems to have gone quiet. Some people are saying it is happening. Other people are telling other people it's, it's not happening. First of all, Declan, do you want to see this fight as a, a real fight? I mean, not really. Uh, it's not as if we're starved of options for either of them. Like, I I was in the panel on Boxing News the other day and it was like, my, my answer was, it doesn't make any sense for me, for Car- for Garcia, because he's, uh, what is he, 22 years old and he's nine stone nine and he's going to be fighting against a guy who, in his last fight, beat a big, okay, it was quite a while ago, but beat a big welterweight in Keith Thurman. So it's like, what, what are you doing that for? It's not like in his division, there's nobody out there. We've, we've waxed lyrical about how that division's amazing, how, how there's so many great fights. And now he wants to clear off and fight Manny Pacquiao. It just, I can't get my head around it. Um, I don't really want to see it because um, for those reasons, I'd rather see Manny Pacquiao against another someone a, a welterweight and I'd rather see Garcia against proving himself against in that great lightweight division. Um, the one good thing about it, I mean, if Garcia was to win that fight, first of all, that would be massive because, you know, he's a lightweight going up to welterweight or wherever the, the fight might take place. Um, and he's very young and it would be a legend on his, on his record. Um, so it would be a big win for him. And the one thing it does do is it takes Manny Pacquiao out of the, the Errol Spence, Terence Crawford stakes, which he is sort of being touted for both of them, which at the same time just keeps them apart. So if he's taken out of that, then actually they're both struggling a bit for opponents. I've seen Ugas now being linked with Spence and stuff like that. Um, but at least if Pacquiao's busy, there's more chance of Spence Crawford happening. But I don't know. That's probably a bit fanciful to say that. But in answer to your question, I just don't. I don't. I don't understand it. I don't really understand where it came from. I think you're probably right about the, the Conor McGregor thing. Um, but yeah, especially Manny Pacquiao. We haven't got long left of him. Why does? Why, why, would we want to, why would we want to see that? I, it's not for me. It's not for me, I don't think. No, I think you're right. If Ryan Garcia wins, apart from the fact that Pacquiao's ageing and not being out for about you know, two years by the time that happens, great. But, it, you know, if Manny Pacquiao wins, it does nothing to him. What has he done? He's, he's, he's been a guy who's what? years younger, a lot lighter. Uh, it seems strange. George, George, can you... Sorry guys, my headphones are playing up, I think. These are real crackly. Don't know if you can hear me now. No, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. It's a they're two weight divisions apart. Um I mean Luke Campbell nearly had Garcia out of there. You know, uh, and Luke Campbell, uh, you know, friend of mine, a very good, very good lightweight, but he doesn't quite have the resume of Manny Pacquiao. Um, it that had the feeling of someone, a TV executive or someone who don't know nothing about the sport, and he's trying playing dominoes like, oh, McGregor's out. What about Jake Paul? Oh, um, no, maybe not him. Can we get? This guy, oh, well, no, um, he's got a lot of TikTok followers. No, who's got the most Instagram followers? Oh, Garcia, that's perfect. And then when they did the Mr. Miyagi Danielson um, uh, meme, that was the best thing about it. I thought, I thought that was the prank. I thought, well, that's that's what they've done, and I get it, that's brilliant. Um, but other than that, no, like Garcia is a work in progress, uh, for me, you know. He, he, 
very good fighter, extremely confident, but he's got an awful lot to learn. There's still a lot of naive mistakes he makes. He gets away with because of his his speed, his punch power, his tenacity, and his attitude. But someone as seasoned as Pacquiao, still as fast and hits as hard as Pacquiao, who's who's too great to finish above. I mean, we've seen this twice before with British fighters when Khan went up two divisions and fought Alvarez, and when uh, Brook went up two divisions and fought Golovkin. And both the same same sort of finish you know you're not mm. it doesn't matter how competitive it is for a round or two it's a 12 round fight uh for me so that would be um a terrible terrible decision for a very young promising fighter when he's got bundles and bundles of fights that could be made in in and around his weight anyway so if he's just a publicity stunt cool hopefully not too many more of them because they are a bit fantasy fantical that's the right word uh but yeah, for me, I no, it, it don't really make much sense. If it happens, I'll watch it, um, and I'll and I'll back Pacquiao to to to, to KO him. But um, yeah, I don't think it's the right move for Garcia. I definitely wouldn't be advising him to take that fight. Garcia's been moved so well, and Cam- the Campbell fight was so like winning that fight and that step up and that opposition was such so, such a great move, and the way he handled it and got off the floor and everything was great. To then go and get chinned by Manny Pacquiao right now at his age would just be the worst thing. It would just be a total disaster. I just can't. I'm sure it won't happen. I'm sure it won't happen. I suspect you're right. I think when it, when it was touted as an exhibition, that was almost as bad. There's just no need. Yeah. And I think this is the, this is another related issue exhibitions are, are now the in thing you know and i guess although mcgregor mayweather was a professional fight it kind of that was the start right that could that could have been if it was now that would be it, probably maybe an exhibition and that's kind of set in motion this idea of fighters sometimes fighting non-fighters or just non-fighters fighting non-fighters and that was for that to then sort of go into the professional realm and have two professional fighters who shouldn't, shouldn't really fight anyway, but be talking about doing something on the streets of Miami in an exhibition, just just really strange. And now we have Floyd Mayweather saying he wants to fight four times this year, he wants to fight both Paul brothers, 50 cent, he's going to fight in Japan as well. Of course, you've got Mike Tyson, who may or may not fight Evander Holyfield again. <laughs> and, and you've got you know Jake Paul fighting an MMA fighter in Ben Askren, it's, it's becoming a, a subculture of the sport, if you like. Whether we like it or not, it's here to stay. And maybe it's because, as I said, it's sort of another thing we can blame COVID for. But exhibition fights, I suspect, George, you're not a fan. Um, but do no, we just have to accept that they're just a thing and that... No, 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 no not at all, not at all. Um, we don't have to accept and sometimes uh, the media are to blame because they give them the headlines that uh, they don't deserve. But I don't think it's a new thing. I don't really have any ex- examples in front of me of fan, you know, fantastical fights, but they've happened throughout history, we know. Um, as long as we can keep a clear differentiation between what is professional and what is not, um, what is real and what is not, then that's, that's fine. You know, that is fine. Um, for me, it, it's entertainment. Uh, charity celebrity boxing matches, you know, on Channel 4 10 years ago, Ricky Gervais and a few others. Uh, I don't think anyone was worried that uh, this was going to be the, the, the new thing um, because it was very easy to see that those guys weren't real. But now, YouTubers and keep fitters and whoever else are um, given professional licenses and treated like professional fighters when they're not. And they have no intention to be, you know, they, you know, they're given um, belts by recognized governing bodies in professional boxing. And it's, it's all tongue in cheek to a certain degree, but it's not, you know, it's confusing for, for the boxing fan. You don't want that young generation who are just coming through, um, can recognize celebrities in other fields and then think, oh, they've become a professional boxer. Um, because they can't do it in any other sport. That's what that's the most difficult thing for me is you wouldn't get you know, a celebrity team uh, running out, you know, Stanford Bridge to play the Chelsea first team, you know, because 
they're real footballers, they're professional footballers, and they're not. You have to adhere to a certain level of ability to become professional in pretty much every other sport apart from boxing. You can be entirely hopeless and still get your pro license, um, which is something new. That is new because when I was a kid, when I boxed uh, as an amateur, it was like you had to win a senior ABA title to even think about going pro. Otherwise, what's the point? Um, and now, you know, people have one or two uh, white qualifiers and then have a run at have a run at the pro, you know, the pro ranks, and that's okay to a certain degree. But when you've got high profile celebrities who then want another avenue of I don't know, followers or revenue or whatnot, and they decide to become professional boxers. Oh, it just doesn't sit right with me. That doesn't sit right with me. Where do you sit, Declan, on the idea that these, let's, let's, let's stick with the YouTubers, they've got huge followings. Where do you sit on the, the idea that them boxing to whatever level helps the sport attract a wider fan base? I don't, I don't massively, because that was the big argument with Logan Paul against KSI, wasn't it? That all these people, um, all these teenagers are then going to watch boxing. But I don't think it actually happened like that. I think people watched that fight. They didn't watch the undercard. They didn't watch Billy Joe Saunders against whoever it was. Or I don't really see that that's what's happening. Um, I mean, there is an argument that it might, and even just a few kids who might not have been interested in boxing getting exposed to it. Yeah, I think that's vaguely positive for the sport. But I think the problem is, is when it starts seeping in elsewhere. And like you say, like Pacquiao Garcia being an exhibition, I just, it's just a bit of danger. Like, what's the point? It's a bit like Man United and Arsenal both got FA Cup semi-finals on set for Saturday. And they're like, no, nah, you know what? We're just going to play each other in a friendly act instead. I hope that's okay. Like, it would be absurd, wouldn't it? But I don't know. YouTube boxing is one thing, isn't it? We need to... It's one of those things I've just accepted now because to be fair to them, they've both got these big followings and or they've all got these big followings and if people want to pay to see them have a fight, fine, like whatever. It's not, It's like I said before, it's not for me. It, it doesn't cross into my realm in any way, but when it does start, all the waters get muddier than they already are because we're talking about a sport with muddy waters as it is. So like that is a bit of a problem. Um, although that being said, I would quite like, I would probably pay to watch Floyd Mayweather fight 50 cents. So I'm probably being a hypocrite. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind that. I think that would be hilarious. Um, but yeah, not Manny Pacquiao against Ryan Garcia in an exhibition. Like I just can't. I don't know who's thinking of this stuff. I really don't because they're all. Everyone's all of these people got boxing people around them. I can't work out. Can't fathom who it is that's pulling the strings and saying this stuff now. But it seems that there's just there's such an opportunity to make money through the internet that people are just desperate to do that now, which is fair enough. I mean, you can't hammer anyone for trying to make a few quid from, from something, but it's just a bit of a dangerous path, isn't it? And um, I think we're already sort of a few steps down it. And I don't really know how we stop it because there was a lot of moaning about the, about the pool fight and KSI and all that sort of stuff. It didn't stop anything. It was still on the zone. Eddie Holm was still on the stage. You know, it doesn't stop anything. So, I don't know. As long as you can sort of, in your head, work out what is real and what is not, that's about as good as you can get. You mentioned boxing and murky waters. I forget your phrase actually now, but it was a good introduction to our next more serious subject, if you like. BBC Panorama this past week ran an investigation into primarily Daniel Kinahan, his alleged criminal activity. He has not been charged, convicted of any crime. But I think rather than focus on what he has or has not done, and let's be honest, his, his crimes or alleged crimes are not for us to, to decide. The general issue is boxing's accessibility. You know, So in response to that programme, there were a lot of calls for boxing to clean up its act. This would be boxing's reckoning it has to do something now or it will it will be finished. Joshua Fury cannot happen. Sky, BT, Eddie Hearn, Frank Warren, you all must do something now. That was it. You've got to do something. Something's got to be done. That was the general consensus. 
but they argue, but the, but the British board have come out and said, we can't do anything. He's not licensed. So we can't affect, or anyone can't have an impact on somebody who's simply giving advice. That's what he's doing. Eddie Hearn has said, largely the same. I don't imagine anybody is going to, to voluntarily give up a slice of the Joshua Fury pie. Uh, in, in, should that fight be confirmed? So the general topic, I'll come to you, George, as a man who was obviously involved. Is it too easy to be involved in boxing? Is that the issue? Does there need to be, and I don't know how on earth you start to do it, but does there need to be some overarching body we can then put in regulations that determines exactly who gets involved, how they get involved, and with whom they get involved? There, you know, there's definitely no one in boxing, you know, so everyone says boxing is the wild west, you know, I mean, it's like you can come in, you can take over. Usually it's not difficult to get a license of some form <laughs> to be involved in, in professional boxing. And now with the new invention of an advisory role, you don't even need to be a licensed member, you know, a British boxing board control licensed member to work with, um, you know, British fire, which to me is a good thing because sometimes the best people to give you advice have nothing to do with boxing. You know, they might be from other aspects, you know, run another successful business, but you know, you turn professional and you have to sign a manager's like a manager's agreement with a manager. Lots of young pros don't even know who, who is a manager or who would be a good manager and what the business entails. Anyway, but yeah, I don't know what it would look like. I just, I just don't know what it would look like if there was any sort of um, senior governing body that would take care of it. Much like you've got UFC, which is, you know, just UFC. You have to sign into UFC to be a UFC fighter. You have to sign into Bellator. Or, uh, yeah, and they don't mix. It happens in wrestling, professional wrestling, where you sign to an organisation where. Whereas pro boxing is just a sport where you can box for any governing body under any, um, from any region, if, if that's the right term. You know, if you're British, if you're you know, different states in America, all over the world, and there is no one there to police um, boxing. And there's always been um, shady characters in boxing. You know, that's just how how it's always been, but. At the moment, no, you know, no one on paper, I suppose, MTK haven't done anything wrong. I've never done any dealings with them personally. I, you know, I've, I've, I might have boxed a couple of fighters who were signed to them, but again, I was out of that, so I have no, I have no opinion of them. You know, um, so I don't know whether they're good or bad, um, but. I do know that they are a force. Like they're a serious force in boxing now. They've got, a, they've probably got more fighters signed up than anyone else. One, they've got gyms set up where you know trainers are affiliated to their um, company, and that's not just in the UK. They're signed. They're putting on shows. They have TV um, dates. So they've done deals with TV networks. They've done deals with promoters. They've done deals everywhere. You know they're. There's not that many other organisations out there that are doing that, you know. Matcham um, obviously have an output deal with the zone. Eddie Hearn, you know, he said he's, you know, he's a bit part boxing pro, a bit part TV exec. You know, he 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 brokers deals with other promotional companies for the TV networks. You know, he's got an exclusive deal pretty much here in the UK on Sky. But the only other company putting on boxing shows on Sky are MTK. You know, so they're already past that point. And, you know, it's, it's definitely up to someone like me to say, I don't know where the, where the money comes from. Um, and is that the right thing or is it not? Um, but, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're here and um, I don't know, you know, what... what <laughs> I don't think there's anything that can be done about anyone policing anyone within the boxing world. You just hope that um, it's kept you know, it's kept safe. Has the horse bolted, Declan, or are we just being too passive in this? And, and should can something be done? 
I don't really, I don't really know because you got also remember sometimes we forget boxing is only a hundred years on from just guy prize fighting two people punching each other in a ring for the entertainment of a crowd like it's unlike any other sport in that it is simply there for our entertainment um and because of that it doesn't have the same we already know this it doesn't have the same regulations doesn't have the same bodies we we talked about this with doping um and with other issues such as weight making safely and stuff like that there aren't any overarching bodies there's nobody who can Take a look like, you know, if you're in football, if you're an agent, for instance, because this is the most similar sort of link is like an agent has to be has to prove themselves to be um, appropriate. And this sort of thing, you can't just stroll up with a load of money and be someone's licensed agent. But there's a couple of things we have to say. First of all, MTK, um, like George said, are a force and that, you know, the fighters would never of, of all they ever do is say how amazing it is. Daniel Kinahan, who was the, the focus of that BBC panorama, as it stands, is in no way affiliated to MTK, you know, officially. Um, and he's as much affiliated as Matthew Macklin is, for instance, who who was, you know, the reason why it's called Mac the Knife is because it was Matt Macklin, same with before when it was called MGM. He's a commentator on Sky. So, like, where do you, where do you draw the line on this? That neither of those guys are, are affiliated officially to MTK, the management company. So... Even if there was a body, how do you even start to pick that one apart? And like you say, there's no criminal convictions. There's no there's no official link, as it were. So how how do you whether that's saying that the the horse is bolted or not? It's more where do you begin to to start to police that? Because at the end of the day, it's just boxers getting advice from people. Um, there's no they're not pulling any strings in any other way. Or certainly not the man who was who was a, a, allegedly linked to all these crimes that are happening in Ireland. And, you know, who are we to say that? I'm not particularly well read up on it. I'm not a journalist who's done work on this. So it's hard to, it's hard for a, like the board or for Sky or for Matchroom to even begin. It would be a moral stance. And moral stances are not very common in boxing and they never have been. So... I know what you're saying, and I know that I, c I can understand the argument, but as it is, I can't see where anyone is supposed to intervene here. And that was what you said there, and a lot of non-boxing people, because anyone who's inside boxing knows knows the link and has read the articles and has listened to the podcast about this whole situation. But if you're new to it, and you, this is the first time you've ever heard of about this, it's like, wow, this is so shocking and how can boxing be how can boxing allow this to happen but when you really think about it what on the face of it on the facts what is boxing supposed like what is boxing supposed to do like genuinely i can't figure out what boxing is supposed to do and even barry mcguigan who was on that and was outspoken about it and was totally um you know nailed his colors to the mast on it he doesn't really have any solution or any idea because I can't see where there is one. Um, and the idea of someone advising a boxer, like George said, I don't know how you can really, how you can really police that. Or even if it, even if you can, even if you should be allowed, because who's to say what advice you get. And if someone's advising Tyson Fury to go and have a fight, which is going to earn him a hundred million quid, I would say that's pretty good advice. So in that sense, he's doing his job. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a minefield, isn't it? And I, I don't know where boxing is supposed to start. And it's not the only issue that boxing faces like this. Um, and I believe that that is the, why boxing is not as popular and as mainstream and um, as accepted as it should be, because there are too many of these facets where just the nature of the sport is allowed to become become murky and become unexplainable, really. I think you're right. I think... It's very easy. Sometimes you feel like you're missing something, you know, and, and I guess our, our Twitter feeds are probably, probably quite similar. So you see a lot of journalists are, who are glad that this is now out in the open and are now saying something has to be done. And you look at that and you think, maybe it's me, maybe I'm missing something. But they, there are no suggestions. As I said, the only suggestions are that Eddie Hearn must do something that essentially amounts to saying, you know what, we're not going to do the biggest fight in British boxing history, one of the biggest fights there has ever been, and, make, and take a stand, as you say, a moral stand, but 
the idea that that fight wouldn't happen without them is, is ludicrous. They just go somewhere else. That fight will happen. So I don't think it's a case of people, you know, just shoving it under the carpet or turning a blind eye. I genuinely think you're right. It's very, very difficult to think a what can be done and who would do it. This so, this is a sport. This is a sport. Remember that allowed Floyd Mayweather's prison term for domestic battery to be pushed back so that he could have a fight. Like that's what sport we're talking about here. That was a conviction, a prison sentence that was altered. We're talking about someone who with no no convictions, no official links to anything. And we just want someone somewhere to sort of say, okay, this is bad. Boxing won't have any part of this. It that, I can't see how that can work. I don't, I can't see where, where that can happen and how that can happen. Agreed. Okay, final thing for this week. It has been almost a year, two weeks shy of a year since Deontay Wilder lost his world title to Tyson Fury at seventh round stoppage in Las Vegas. We've seen very little of Wilder since. He has come out with a slew of accusations, conspiracy theories and the like, many of which were aimed at his trainer, Mark Leland, who threw in the towel on that night. He kept quiet for a long time, finally spoken out over the last few days. To say that Deontay Wilder's career is finished, in fact, he basically says that he never had a career in the first place. He had one good win against Luis Ortiz. He only has his power. He doesn't train properly. Quite frankly, he wants nothing more to do with him. Now, is that a little bit of sour grapes? Or is it a bit, does he actually have a point? Or is it just a bit of both? Go on, George. Excellent. Oh. <laughs> Mine, why are we still talking about the heavyweights, man? You just said it's been a year. <laughs> and it's been an article that his trainer might have sour grapes. I don't know. I'll leave it to you two. <laughs> <laughs> Your favourite discussion. I must say, I think it's not just a bit of sour grapes. This is this is bad. This is some real bad sour grapes because okay, okay Breland can be like annoyed, let, like he's been let go and he got a lot of heat and people pinned stuff on him when he was just acting in the best interests of, of Wilder by throwing the towel in. They've obviously decided that because of that, they couldn't continue working with him for whatever reason it might be. The relationship broke down in a, such a way after that happened that it couldn't carry on, which is fair enough. But some of the stuff he said, like his career, there's one thing where he said all he has is his power. And it's like, well, yeah, we know that. It's like saying all that. Alan Shearad was his ability to score goals. It's like, yeah, he's got mad power. That's that's precisely it. Also, he says he's only had one good win. First of all, he beat Ortiz twice. He was in the corner for both of them. And then he's having a go at the way he trains. I'm like, mate, you're his tra- you were his trainer. How can how can you do how can you say those things? Like I spent time in Tuscaloosa with with when Mark Breland was brought in because again, we've spoken about it before, but the setup over there is that Jay Diaz is the or JD's is the sort of as he would say, the sort of head coach in an American football sort of way. And then he brings in people to work with. So he's got an S&C guy. And then his boxing person is Breland. And, and also in, the, in that interview, he said that JD's knows nothing about boxing. And he knows that. That's why he brought in Mark Breland to, to help him and to take Wilder onto that level. But this is a person who walked in a boxing gym and within an, a year or whatever was at the Olympics winning a bronze, which is mad for a start. Okay, yeah, he's limited boxing-wise. But look what he's done. He's one of the most exciting heavyweights of his generation, if not the most exciting genera- heavyweight of his generation. Um, and yes, he has devastating power. Okay, he doesn't hit a heavy bag or hit a speed bag or skip a, a couple of things that Breland was having to go about him. But as his trainer, you should probably have told him to. And if you didn't, if you didn't like it, then you leave. But he was brought in and he would work with him on the boxing for six weeks or whatever. They put him up in a hotel in Tuscaloosa and he'd be in the gym and he'd be working with Wilder. And it worked, didn't it? But then he, he came up against one of the best heavyweights, probably, the, well, for me, the number one heavyweight in the world, who beat him up. And there's no shame in that. And it doesn't mean his career's over because it's not, unless that he wants it to be, which as far as I can tell, he doesn't. Um, I thought it was sour grapes. I thought I was, to be honest, I was a little bit disappointed because such respect for Mark Breeden. He's such a great fighter, achieved so much. And I thought he did amazing things with Wilder um, as a trainer. So to see that, and I wonder whether in a year's time or whatever, he'll look back on it and it'll be like, okay, I was I was harsh there. Um, but yeah, I thought I found the all a bit disappointing. Um, I want to see Wilder back, um, and 
with just his power because that's all that's all he really needs, which he's he's proven. The fact that he only had one good win was I found was funny because he did actually beat Ortiz twice. But yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know what Mark Breland's going to do now either because I'm not sure. He said he's done. I think that maybe he he was um, sort of intimating that he wouldn't want to work with anyone else. So it'd be a shame because I think he's got he's got a lot to offer. The whole thing was. It was a shame that the towel had to come in because I think without that, you know, if if Fury had just stopped him or the ref had stopped him, I feel like they would still all be together and it would still be fine. But just that moment seems to have started all this. Um, hopefully, they can everyone can draw a line under it a bit, especially George, because otherwise he's going to um, <laughs> going to pull his hair out one of these days. It's only just okay. like growing back. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think we see Wilder again, Declan? Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure, for sure, because he's still reasonably young. Um, I think he's mad enough as well that he won't go. I think that's me. I feel, I feel like we'll we'll see him back. I feel like without the pandemic, we'd have had him back already, and he'd be, he'd be campaign, campaigning and everything. Um, I think we'll, I think we'll see him back. He's a long-running <laughs> world champion, money. Like I'm very yeah. So, but that makes it difficult. Does he want to come back at a? Does he want the easy fights for the same rewards and accolades, you know? Or does he want to take a hard fight? Does he want to fight, you know, uh, a Hergovic or, or, a, or a White or someone like that for no belt? Um, it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting because maybe he's just, maybe his mind's not there anymore, you know, as in, does he, it's tough to go back to that level, where, you know, after being a world champion for so long. Um, be interesting, but yeah, I, I suppose I agree with you, Dad. That there's more, there's definitely more left to him. I'd like to see him back, but it'd be interesting to see where he comes in at what level. And is it going to be just knock over jobs until something shows that falls into his lap where he gets another world title shot? I'd like to see him and in some real tough fights. He's he's unbelievably rich and with a beautiful house and a big family and a wife and. All sorts of stuff going on, so maybe he just thinks, "Nah, can't be, can't be bothered." But knowing what you, knowing what we do about him, you would think that he will he will be back. Whether he can win another world title in the era of Tyson Fury is another question. But if they vacate belts and all that sort of stuff, I would still pick him to beat every heavyweight outside of Joshua and Fury um, pretty comfortably. I mean, Povetkin, who knows, you know. I always I thought that was a great fight when it was made ages ago, but for the most part, I would probably pick right now Wilder to to knock every, knock them all out. So, um, yeah, I think he, he I, I'm sure he well yeah I'm sure he feels the same stupidest thing I've ever said, but yeah, I'm, you know, he back himself to knock everyone out as well. Well, the good news is, George, anyway, next week's show should include zero mentions of heavyweights. We will. I thought we'd done it to. We're doing a deep dive on Alan Babich. That was supposed to be a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> we will, of course, look back at Josh Warrington's fight with Rachel Lara, but more importantly, most likely, to what's next for Josh Warrington. But then we will preview what should be, and let's hope it happens at the 15th time of asking, a phenomenal fight at Welterweight between Josh Kelly and David Avenition. Please do join us then. As I said, give the video a thumbs up, subscribe to our channel if you're listening, rate and review. Thank you, gents. Thank you, everyone. And we will see you soon.